you. Wow. He really said that? That is, that is so cool because, you know, I've only known Britt for, for, I don't know, a couple months. And, and I love him. I, I absolutely love this guy. You have a great pastor. Um, but, uh, you know, when the, the first time we met, after, I, I, you know, we got together, you know, I'd heard about him for a while. I've heard about this church for a while. And, uh, you know, when people ask me, hey, so, so you, have you gotten to know Britt? I go, yeah. And they're like, what, what, do, you, what do you think? I go, it's almost word for word. I go, you know, there's guys that I think are just awesome leaders. Other guys are great teachers. And I, I don't know, Britt could be both of those things as well. But the one thing I walked away from hanging out with Britt was this guy loves Jesus. He loves Jesus. And so I'm very honored that he would say that. I, I mean, it's, it's just... I, I, I've met a lot of gifted people, a lot of talented people, and I hadn't even heard Britt preach, you know, he might be terrible, but, you know, but it's just, but the, the reputation and everything else, but just hanging out, or coming home, just telling my wife, I go, it's just awesome. The first thing I thought, sitting down with lunch with him was, he just loves Jesus. I don't know what kind of preacher, I don't know whatever, I don't know what kind of leader, he just, he, you just see a man who loves Jesus, and, and I think it's stuck out, and it's just sad, but it stuck out to me because I don't see that a lot. And that, that's, that's, I, and I don't mean to judge, you know, I mean, and, and maybe these guys do love Jesus, but there's just something about, um, it, we, can, we can get sidetracked. We can start loving other things. We can get into ministry even and, and growing a church and doing all of this stuff. And even last night on the plane, I'm praying to the Lord. I'm reading through Philippians. And I'm going, God, I, do I, I love you? Do I count everything else as loss? Or, or am, I, am I still in love with you as a person? Because I find myself trying to accomplish this, trying to accomplish this, trying to accomplish this. And, and everywhere I go, people go, hey, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? What, what, what do you think God wants you to do next? And so I get focused on that rather than just being in love with Jesus Christ and loving him with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and just repenting of that, even on the plane yesterday and saying, God, I, I, I want to just love you. I want to love you more than anything. And so help me get back to that. Help me get back to that. Because I think I've, I've kind of gone off the track a little bit here, and I've been focusing on what am I supposed to do on this earth. And I need to spend more time just in, in love with you, alone with you. And so help me get back to that. And so when I think of Brit, that's what I think of. And I I, I, you know, even during worship, I'm just thanking God for this church and what you guys stand for. Um, the more I've gotten to know your guys, in fact, I was at Reality LA a couple of weeks ago just to go to church, and uh, Tim's hilarious. Oh my God, he is so funny. My wife and I went, and I just absolutely loved everything about it. Um, it's been a really weird friendship with these guys. I mean, not just because they're weird, but... but uh, <laughs> But how everything just meshes theologically, what we stand for. And so even though you don't know me and I hardly know you, I just sense a real kindred spirit of, look, we're standing for the same things. We're fighting for the same things. And then, um, it, you know, as, as many of you know, um, I felt like the Lord was leading me uh, somewhere new. Um, and after pastoring a church for 16 years in Simi Valley, I feel like God's leading me, I, I thought, possibly to L.A., and so that's so why I went and saw Tim's church, and I thought, ah, no, but 
Then I've been spending some time in San Francisco and feeling a, a leading calling there. And then a couple months ago, I was in London, and I'm feeling like, no, this is where I should be. You guys getting a, you know, a little... <laughs> and, and, and yet, this is where I want to live, okay? <laughs> it's Carpinteria, you know, or Ventura, you know? It's, it's uh, it, you know, this is me, and... Uh, and so then this morning I come in and I see Reality Church and all the places and I go, Stockton? That's where I went to high school. That's where I grew up. So it's just a weird, weird, like, Lord, what are you doing here? I love these guys to death. I think the world of them, their theology, it's weird how we have the passions for the same places. The only one other place that wasn't on there was lately the Lord's been leading me toward Hong Kong for some reason. And... Uh, yeah, and so who knows? Maybe we'll have one out there, and we'll call it reality. And uh, <laughs> um, I just, uh, <laughs> I can say that. You can't, okay? Um, <laughs> you say it, it's sin. For me, it's funny. Um, but, but all that to say, I, I, I love what's going on here. Um, you know, uh, when I talk about loving Jesus and I say there's so few people that um, uh, I meet and I just go, okay, the first thing that jumps out at me is they are in love with Jesus. And uh, the person that does come to my mind uh, a lot is uh, my wife's grandmother who passed away a couple years ago. And when I did her funeral, it was, it was sad. And Britt just reminds me of her, this love for Jesus um, my wife would tell me growing up with her grandmother, like, like she would, uh, she, she, she told my, my wife, you know, my wife would say she could hear my grandma just crying every morning as she talked to Jesus. You know, her favorite hymn was that old hymn, you know, no one sings it anymore, but where, he walks with me, he talks with me. So you guys remember that? I remember singing that as a kid. And, uh, and it's just this, this fellowship with Jesus. And she said she could hear her crying every morning. And, and one time, you know, when my wife was a little girl, um, grandma would say, you know, honey, there's the corner of my bed. That's where I pray every morning. And, and she goes, even during the day when I pass by that corner, I just start crying. And I go, Jesus, I can't wait till tomorrow morning, you know, when I see you again. And, and, and just one of those people, again, just Jesus. I love Jesus. And, and every time I call, I remember the first time I called over the house, you know, and hey, grandma, what are you doing? And she just goes, oh, I'm cutting flowers in the backyard and thanking Jesus for making them so beautiful beautiful. I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. Next time I called her, no, no lie. I go, hey, grandma, what are you doing today? She goes, oh, God is so good. You know, and I go, I know, I know why this time. And, and uh, <laughs> she goes, she, just, she goes, she goes, I just baked a cake and I left out an ingredient and he still made it taste good. And, <laughs> like everything was Jesus, you know, and I love that. And, and, and probably the most impactful time, though, was, was one, this one time when we were at a play um, and, and, at this uh, little, uh, I don't know what it is, a theater. And, um, and it was like a little family reunion thing for Lisa's side of the family. And, and so we're watching this show, and I'm sitting next to Grandma. And, and, uh, and, and it was a good, clean show. I mean, you know, as good as plays can be. And, and, uh, and, uh, and, and so... During halftime, I look over at Grandma, and I go, Hey, Grandma, what, what do you think of the play so far? And she looks at me, and she goes, I don't want to be here, you know. 
And I go, me neither. What, but what's, what's your reasoning? And she goes, I just don't know if this is where I want to be when Jesus returns. She goes, I, I don't want to just be sitting here in a theater. I don't want him just saying, oh, you know, you're just watching a show. She goes, I'd rather be praying for your church. I'd rather be on my knees praying for you or, or doing something for someone. But I don't want my Savior to return and just see me watching a show. And I thought, wow, you take this literally? You, I mean, seriously, who do you know that thinks that way? That's thinking... My Savior is going to return at any time, and I want to be found watching and serving and loving and praying and, and doing. And, and here's a little grandma. So, so when she passed away, when I did her funeral, it was, it was a real sad day for me because I've got models, you know. I, I've got models of ministry and intelligent men, theologians, you know. I, I've got that in my life. But a model of someone who just passionately is in love with Jesus who loves him with all of her heart and soul and mind, that takes that first command and said, gosh, he is going to be first and foremost in my life. I don't have a lot of that. And so I was very, very excited to get to know Britt and go, gosh, this is a guy that loves Jesus. This is really, really cool. Um, and I've just struck up a friendship. And when he texted me from the ER two weeks ago, man, I just started bawling. I just started bawling, just went in my bedroom and just started crying and praying for him and got on my knees and just begged for him and, and begged for this church and I begged that he would stay strong. And I know that you guys are doing the same thing, praying for the family, praying for little Daisy um, and people all around the world are. Um, in fact, let's, let's pray right now. You guys in Ventura, join us also. Father, I thank you for what you have done, what your Holy Spirit has done through Brett, changing him and making him a man who loves you and stands for your word boldly. And I pray that he would never back down, that he would never cower, and that he, you would use him to raise up a, a generation of people who will stand for your truth as the world gets darker and darker. God, may we just shine brighter and be more bold and confident, fearless. And God, even right now through this trial, Lord, this very second, I pray that he senses your presence and that he grows in greater intimacy with you. And I pray that for the whole family, especially little Daisy. God, right now, however you do it, the spiritual warfare that's going on, God, that you would just be victorious. And Lord, that she would just love you and love you and find so much joy in you. Joy that kids who are physically healthy can't feel. May she just sense your blessing and your presence and love it and long for it more than anything. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. 1 Peter 4 was a passage that was uh, very dear to my heart a few months ago as, as it just seemed like there were just problems everywhere. 
You ever have those times when you just feel like, gosh, I feel like I'm being attacked from every side and what's, what's going on here? Um, and I was reading through 1 Peter and this passage really jumped out to me, specifically verse 12. 1 Peter 4.12 says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Isn't that a great verse? He says, beloved, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Man, I needed that verse. It's just like, why are you acting like something strange is happening to you? Didn't you know that when you signed up for this, that you were signing up to join an army and that you were entering into a war? What were, you, what were you expecting? Everything to be smooth, everything to be easy. And, and maybe, you know, some of these trials are, are not expected by us because the gospel we were taught maybe growing up. You know, I was just taught, oh, you know, receive Christ as your Savior and He'll be your best friend. You get to go to heaven. So pray this prayer, raise your hand, wink at me, whatever. And you got Him and life's going to be great and you get to go to heaven. And no one really told me about the cost of following Jesus. There was very little you know, talk about actually following Jesus and, and being a disciple of his and what that meant. And, and, and there was very little talk about, about explaining that, look, you're about to enter into spiritual warfare now. I mean, before, when you're just living for yourself, there's no point in Satan attacking you. You know, I, I, I mean, it's, it's when you start following him. When you start following Jesus and actually doing something for the kingdom, then the fight is on. I, I, I mean, if, 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 we're, if we're playing basketball and, and, you know, and people are running back and forth and you're supposed to guard me and I'm just standing at midcourt, you know, looking at the cheerleaders or, or eating popcorn, I mean, are you going to guard me? Yeah. No. You just leave me alone. You go, you go you know, with those in the game. You, you guard them. But, but what if I get the ball and I start taking it to the hole? which I can, and, uh, and I, I'm just scoring left and right. You know, then suddenly everyone starts attacking, right? Then suddenly I get guarded, double teamed, triple teamed. And, and, and in the same way, no one explained that to me in my walk with the Lord, that, that once I decided to follow Jesus, I would have a very, very real enemy. And the more I get into ministry and the further I, uh, with greater passion, begin to serve him and love him, guess what the enemy is going to do? Okay, now let's start attacking this guy. Now let's go after these people. And here you have these early believers who, who are following Jesus passionately, persecuted. They're scattered everywhere. And, 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 and so Peter says to him, he goes, hey, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. What, what, what did you think was going to happen? This is going to happen to you. And, you know, later in chapter 5, verse 8, as you know, he says that you've got an adversary. And he prowls around. He's trying to devour you. I mean, did, did that thought even enter your mind this week? That you have an enemy? See, see a lot of times we, 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 don't, we, don't, we don't take this seriously. I mean, when's the last time you woke up and thought someone's after me today? That's why in, in, in chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. 
He says, be sober-minded, be on the alert, be aware that someone's trying to take you down. Right now, as much as the leaders of this church are, are trying to get you to, to just love Jesus, to follow him, to serve him, just as passionately, there's an enemy right now that's doing everything he can to distract you. Everything he can to tempt you. Everything he can to put doubts in your head. Every, every painful thing that comes in, you know, the enemy is going to get in your mind and say, you know what, where's your God? How, you know, is he not good? It's, it's just this whole war that's going on and we have to be ready for it. That's why I love that passage. He says, don't be surprised. And he says, beloved, do not be surprised. I, 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 you know, I just love the way Peter words things. I, I love you guys. I love you, my beloved people, my friends, my brothers, my sisters. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Why are you surprised? As though something strange was happening. What did you think? I mean, could you imagine, uh, could you imagine a soldier at war running back to his commanding officer and, and crying and going, they were shooting things at me. <laughs> I mean, real bullets. You know, he, he would just look at that soldier and go, what did you expect? What, what were you thinking when you joined the army? Did you think we would just come out here and, and everything would be nice and easy? No, we're, we're at war here. And we need, to, we need to realize that. And so Peter tells these faithful believers who've been persecuted, he says, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal or the fiery trial um, This, this this word fiery or burning ordeal um, most likely was literal. Most likely referred to at that time the persecution of Nero towards the Christians. I mean, Nero, uh, the emperor at that time, used to take the Christians and light them on fire and use them as human torches in his garden. And so Peter, seeing that from afar and knowing this persecution that's going on, he's telling these believers, don't be surprised at that. This fiery ordeal. Didn't you know how serious this was going to be? You're acting like something strange were happening to you. We knew. I mean, Jesus told us this. Jesus says in John 15, 18, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. He says in John 15, verse 26, he he says, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you also. You you know, think about it. If if I'm the master and you're my servant and this is what they do to me, and they call me the devil, they call me Beelzebub, what do you think they're going to call you? What do you think they're going to do to you? So, So here it is, Peter again going through this and saying, hey, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. To test you. I've been thinking about this, this, this idea of testing um, because the Bible makes it very clear that there are some, like he said, who will fall away at times of testing, right? Right? When he talks about the parable, the four soils, he says there are those who, you know, are like this uh, concrete here. You could throw seed. I could, I, you know, there's some probably in this room that no matter what I say, it's, it's not penetrating. 
And I, I don't know what it is in your life. I mean, it breaks my heart. I wish. I, I don't know what happened to you. I know there's painful things that happen on the earth. I know that some of you have been lied to. You, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if it's true of you, but for me, it seems like every year I trust fewer and fewer people. And it's almost easier to live life just assuming that everyone that runs into you is a liar so that you won't be disappointed and you just assume everyone's lying and that, you know, unlike when you were younger and you just trusted so many people and, and maybe some of that pain, maybe some of that hurt makes you go, well, how do I know this guy's for real? I don't know any of these people in this room are for real. And, 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 and so no matter what I say, there's this, this hardening, you know, the Bible says it's, it's like when a farmer throws seed and it lands on the, the hardened path or the sidewalk, basically, he goes, there's, there's nothing you can do. And he goes, but then there's other soil. He says, there's, there's this rocky soil. And he talks about sometimes it'll land on the rocky soil. And what happens when the seed lands on the rocky soil? It's, it's not really soil, it's rocks. But there'll be some dust or some, uh, some, some topsoil that's been blown on top of the rock. And, and so something will spring up immediately. But it never penetrates. There's never any root. It never actually goes into the rock. It's just something superficial that's on top of it. And he says, so it'll look like something will come out. But at times of testing, the moment the trials come or the moment the wind blows, the moment something difficult happens at the time of testing, it's going to be blown away. It doesn't really stand. And, and, and here, you, you know, so, so we know that there are those, and, and there could be some of those in this room where, yes, right now, you'll come, you'll worship with us. How great is our God? You know, blessed be the name. We can sing these songs, but what about at times of trial, at the time of testing, when it gets difficult, will you still sing that song? Because we'd say that, we, we sing that, and it's taken out of Job, but Job 1 is one of the... Uh, I don't want to be uh, sacrilegious here, but, but like, it's one of the strangest passages, isn't it? I mean, for us, because we're so used to thinking that everything revolves around us, right? And we have this me-centered universe. Then you read Job 1 and you go, wait, what? Satan and his demons are talking to God and they're discussing this person on the earth? And, 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 and the, you know, and there, you know, the demons and, and Satan, they're saying, well, you know, Job only loves you because you, you give him everything. Who wouldn't love you? If you protect him, give him a beautiful family, give him all these animals, money, whatever he wants, perfect health. Of course he loves you. You take that away from him and he'll curse you to your face. And God's going, no, no, you don't know Job. Have you considered my servant Job? No, he, he let, go ahead. Go ahead, do those things to him and see what happens. Go ahead, test him. Let's, let, let's see what happens. And, and it's through all that, after he loses everything, all of his riches, all of his family, that he says those words, he gives and takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And uh, it, see, that's the difference. See, that's not rocky soil. That, that's not rocky soil, and it's, 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 it's the good soil that says, no, bring the testing, I'm still going to love. Um, I, I was with uh, another, another friend of mine that I, I, I love dearly, another man of God who teaches the Word of God, who doesn't back down, Matt Chandler. You know, who, who was diagnosed with brain cancer, and, and, uh, and I saw him not too long ago, and, and uh, you know, they had to take a, this he was showing me on his, his iPhone. He goes, hey, look, look at my brain. 
<laughs> and he shows me this picture where they took out such a big chunk of his brain. And he's just sitting there talking to me about, you know, scar on his head, everything else. He goes, look how much they took out. Look at that big black spot. I'm going, oh, that's so gross. He goes, no, what was gross was the night after they took all of that out. He goes, I would, I would lay in bed and when I'd roll over, I'd feel my brain go blah, blah, blah. I'm like, ah, that's so crazy. He's just like, because every time I turned, it was just, ah, you know, oh, you know, and, and, and he's just, you know, sitting there laughing about it, showing pictures to all of us at dinner. Look at my brain, you know, and uh, it was just like, what is going on here? You know, but here's a guy that when I heard about it, you know, text him real quick and he just texts me back. He was completely unshaken. Completely unshaken. It was the same thing, you know, when, uh, when I was with Britt at that first lunch and he just said, you know, I love God. I, I love him and uh, I really do love Jesus. And he says, and I was able to look at Jesus and say, Jesus, I love you. And no matter what happens, nothing changes between you and me. I will still love you. And I go, man, that's so cool. That is, see, that's not rocky soil, okay? That's not rocky soil. Rocky soil goes the other direction. When the trials come, you run. But really, this idea of testing here in First Peter is, it's, it's like a good testing. It's, it's a testing to show you that you're the real thing. You know, it's, 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 it, Peter isn't saying this, oh, be careful, this test, you're going to fail. And, and no, 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 it's, it's not that. It's, it's this idea he's encouraging these people, saying don't be surprised by this. As you're tested by it, you're, you're going to see that you're the real thing. Haven't you had those times in your life where it almost feels good, where you go, oh, good, I am for real. You know what I mean? Like it's during the difficult times. It's those times when, when someone persecutes you for your faith or you, you know those times when you have the boldness to finally share with someone and you do it. And even though you may be rejected, there's this peace afterwards where you go, I'm the real thing. I am the real thing. Oh man, it kills me that I was rejected by that person. They hate me now. But there's also this weird peace. Um, I'm just glad I did. I remember this, this one lady in my church, she, she was driving and she just saw this fortune teller in town and she saw this sign and she just, she goes, man, every time I passed it, I felt like I'm supposed to just go in there and just, and just share with her. I know I'm supposed to. I know I'm so soon. And she goes, she goes, just the day when she finally just got out of her car and walked right up to this palm reader lady and uh, got in there and just started sharing the gospel with her and everything else. She says, I walked back to my car and I just got in and I just screamed at the top of my lungs going, yes! And she goes, it just felt so good that I knew, okay, I am. I, I, I am a follower. I will say anything. I will talk to anyone about this Jesus. I will confess him. And she said the joy that was in her, not knowing any of the results. And then like five minutes later, that fortune teller called her, you know, on her cell phone. She goes, wow. And she goes, you know, hey, you know, I've got a cousin who does the same thing. She's even more evil than I am. Um, Will you go talk to her? She's like, wow. She's like, wow, my first referral. This is so great. And, and, uh, but it, it wasn't even the it wasn't even the results in the other person. Of course, you love the person. Of course, you do that. But there's also this piece of, okay, I'm willing to go through the trials, and I still love Jesus. 
well, I've been tested, and this is the real thing. Um, This testing, I think of um, uh, James chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Another, another great verse is, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, when he has stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. That was always an interesting verse to me because it, it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast. Blessed is the man who perseveres, holds up under the trial and says, man, I know I'm I'm, I'm pressed, but I'm not crushed. You know, I'm persecuted. I'm not abandoned. This is is heavy. This is difficult, but I'm going to stand the test. He goes, blessed is the person who perseveres under that because once he stood the test, he's going to get the crown of life, which God has promised. You would expect James to say, which God has promised to those who have held up under the test. That's not what he says. He goes, blessed is the man who holds up under the trials because once he's been approved, he'll receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. You see that? He's equating the person who loves him with the person who stands the test. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Uh, you know, like, the, like Satan was saying about Job. Well, he only loves you because you give him everything. No, you show your love when it's, when it's tested and go, okay, I'm not getting everything I want here. It's not happening. Okay, here's the test. No, I still love him. And God looks at that person and says, you know, blessed is that person who perseveres when it gets difficult, who stands the test. I'm going to give that person the crown of life because I promised the crown of life to those who love me. They love me. They don't just love me when I give them everything they want. They just love me because I'm this great treasure. I'm the son of God. I died for their sins. I rose from the grave. And so they love me. They, they love me, everything I stand for, who I am. Here's this holy God in heaven who sent his son to die on a cross. For me. If I really believe all that, then I, I just love him, period. And so now on earth, whatever happens, it's like, no way. God's given me more than I deserve. I'll gladly sell everything I have and buy that field, that treasure. Um, with great joy, I'll do that because Jesus is so worth it. And so he says, you know, we'll continue in 1 Peter where he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rest on you. And again, understand, this is in the context of these believers who have lost their homes, that have been scattered all over the place, that are watching these Christians being torched right now and going through a literal fiery trial. 
And to those people in that extreme time, Peter writes these words of comfort saying, you know, you, you should have expected it. You know, this is not a strange thing. This happened to Jesus. It's going to happen to us. Expect it. He, but in the midst of that, he goes, but rejoice. Rejoice. Somehow find that joy. Just like James says in, in, uh, in, in, in James 1, 2, consider pure joy when you encounter these various, all sorts of different types of trials. Here again, he says, there ought to be this rejoicing in it that as you share Christ's sufferings, you also be, be rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. But, but the, the part I want to focus on is, is verse 14. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Why are you blessed? Well, where's the blessing? The blessing is that the Holy Spirit himself, that spirit of the glory resting upon. You ever been in a time where you were actually insulted or persecuted for your faith? And again, isn't it weird how as painful as it is, there's this strange peace that we get, almost like a peace that we don't get when we're comfortable. You ever been in a situation where it was kind of dangerous for the sake of the gospel? where you just felt totally uncomfortable, but you did it anyways. And you know that spirit of glory that rested upon you at that time? It's an interesting thing. I I mean, as much as I crave and I naturally just long for comfort in my flesh, those times when I step out in faith, those times when I put myself on the line, that's when I feel most peace. That's when I experience the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of times we think, oh, I'm not experiencing God. I'm not experiencing God. So, so maybe I'll go up to the mountain. For you guys, you walk 50 yards to the beach. You know, maybe I'll go. I'll experience him there. I'll go to this mountaintop. And that, those are good things. I do those things. But, but, but sometimes, maybe, maybe that's not the answer. Maybe you've tried that and it hasn't happened. And let me just suggest to you what, what God said about his Holy Spirit about the spirit of glory that's going to rest on you, that it's during the times of persecution. Remember what Jesus says. He goes, when you're put in front of authorities, in front of these kings, and you don't know how to answer them, he goes, don't worry about it, because that's when my Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you'll just start saying things. You'll say things that you, even though you didn't know how to answer it, that's when I'm going to come through for you. There's a sense in which the Holy Spirit comes in our times of danger, in the times when we are persecuted, we'll experience the Spirit more than ever. That's why he says you can rejoice in that, because you'll experience that and go, wow, I, I have been tested. I am one of them. I am a follower of Christ. Wow, there, there's tremendous peace here. I, it was like a, a couple years ago when I was in uh, Korea. When I was in Korea, I had dinner with this guy. It was such an honor for me, because this was the guy, um, do you remember about... Three years now, probably two, three years ago, there were those 23 Korean missionaries that went to Afghanistan and got abducted by the Taliban. I just remember reading that article in the paper and they were killing them one at a time. And my heart just, I I was just sick. You know, as they said, they would just behead them and then throw a body out. And it's like, oh, that's my brothers and sisters. And this was one of the guys that was on that trip. And, uh, And I'm having dinner with him. And he's speaking through a translator. I'm just wanting to know, what was that like? 
I mean, you were, I forget how many days. They were there for a while under the, the, the Taliban. And, and he talked about the last day they were together um, because the 23 of them, they were going to split them into remote places so they couldn't, you know, get together. And uh, I don't know what they could have done, but he just didn't want them together. So they're about to split them up. And he talks about how they went in a circle and one at a time, they, they just one at a time goes, Jesus, my life is yours, whatever you want. If, if it will bring you more glory for me to die, take my life, whatever you want to do, one at a time. One lady somehow still had a Bible, and, uh, and the guy was saying that she ripped it into 23 pieces, and then just, just, they just secretly passed the scriptures around and said, okay, wherever they take us now, you've got the word of God with you. Whatever portion the Lord gave you. So when, it's, when, when you got an opportunity, just, just look at the word for your strength. And, and then, uh, then he was explaining how the pastor, the pastor said that he had, talked, he had spoken to the Taliban and told them, look, if anyone dies, I die first because I am the pastor of this group. And then the guy I was having dinner with said that at that time he spoke up and he says, no. He goes, I also am a pastor and I am your elder, so I die first. And then the other pastor goes, no. You have never been ordained as a pastor. <laughs> I am an ordained minister. I die first. And sure enough, that's the guy that died first. This dear friend of his. And they killed another person. And then somehow there was a weird rescue thing. And I still don't understand it all completely. But, but the point of, of this is, is, is what amazed me was he says, you know, ever since that time, it's been you know, over a year now, and the different team members that were on that trip with me, they've been coming to me, and, and individually, they just go, Pastor, don't you wish we were still there? Here's what they would say. They said, they said when I was in that pit by myself, surrounded by the Taliban, I, said, I, I felt so close to Jesus. There was an intimacy. It was like he was right there with me. And now that we're back in comfort... I, I try to fast, I try to pray, but it's just not the same. Pastor, don't you wish we were still there? Isn't that an amazing statement? That I would rather be in a pit surrounded by Taliban because I, I got this intimacy with Jesus. Like Jesus is so great. And this, this, this fellowship of sharing in his sufferings that I felt there, this rejoicing that I got to share in his sufferings was better than this comfort. Because Jesus is better than anything. And so if anything brings me closer to Jesus, that's why I love watching Britt's message last week and him, him talking about, gosh, I, I would do it all over again because I love Jesus more. My wife loves Jesus more. We love Jesus more. Daisy loves Jesus more. We all love him more. And, and that Jesus, even through this pain, he is that good. He is that good. And these people saying we experienced him during that trial, something we can't get back in our comfort. I mean, why do we need a comforter if we're comfortable? It's when we're in these times of danger and we're, 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 we're not surprised by these trials and these attacks that suddenly it's like, you know, I'm actually okay. I'm actually more okay than I've ever been. And even though I'm scared and even though there's some danger up ahead, it's like, I feel right. Um, I sense the presence of the Lord. And, and I thought, wow, that is, that is just like in Scripture. Um, I, I mean, you think about Stephen when he was about to be stoned. Remember in, in Acts 8, you know, when, when they're about to stone him to death, what does Stephen do? Uh, suddenly at that moment he goes, yeah. 
He, he kind of just freaked out, right? He goes, I can see the Son of Man. It's, these guys are, have rocks in their hands ready to kill him. He goes, this is the craziest thing. You guys won't believe it. I can see Jesus right now. He's staying there at the right hand of God. So go ahead, throw your rocks. And they stone him to death. But his face was like that of an angel because he's just going, I can't believe it. Jesus, I see you right now like I've never seen you. I physically see you when in the midst of that danger. Isn't that true of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they're thrown into the fiery furnace? We threw three of them down there. Who's that fourth person? Who is that? You see that? It's somehow in the midst of all of that that it's, we sense this presence of God. And so I would just encourage you, you, you know, Jesus, Jesus says, you know, you go, go and make your disciples. Go out there. As you're making disciples, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I commanded you, he goes, I'll be with you. It, it's, it's really a conditional phrase. It's as you're doing that, I'll be with you. You'll sense my presence. You'll see me there. Oh, you'll be persecuted. You'll go through trials, maybe even fiery ordeals, but you're going to sense my presence there with you. Hello, I'll be with you always. The spirit of glory, the spirit of God will rest upon you. Don't be afraid of what you're going to say. My Holy Spirit's going to come through at that moment, and you're going to sense his presence. And so I, I got to ask you this morning, have you pursued all these other things and loved all these other things or is there still just deep in your heart you know Jesus you're better than everything you're better than comfort you're better than these other things I've pursued I mean what is it that you've been in love with lately has it really been Jesus because last night was a time of repentance for me on that airplane just going God ah, there I go again I got distracted, not with bad things, not with evil things. I wasn't torturing animals. You know, I, I, just, I just got into ministry or whatever, and I just got away from the person of Jesus Christ. And I go, Jesus, I don't want to do this. You're my first love, and I want you to be my first love. More than my ministry, more than my kids, more than my life, my entertainment. I want it to be you. And... And maybe some of you need a time like that because maybe it's just something has diverted you and the enemy just got you thinking about something else, got you doubting God because we have an enemy. But greater is he who is in us, right? This Holy Spirit of God who rests in us than he who is of the world, so it's nothing to fear. And I thank God that you have a leader here who has modeled that for you. And... uh, and that's what, that's what we're supposed to do as pastors. You model it. And you guys look on, and, and Hebrews says that you look at the, the, the result of their faith, and you follow that example. And so I thank God for this trial that he's been through because it's been a model to so many people, and hopefully to you also, that you love Jesus, love Jesus, love Jesus through it all. I'm going to pray over you right now. Not, not because I wrote it in my notes as that's how I'll conclude. Um, but because sometimes we can get passages like these when we're not 
when, when we're, we can get these passages when we're not suffering. You go, oh, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, I see it in James, I see it in Peter, I see it in, you know, Philippians, I see it here. Oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. But when you're in the middle of the pain, it's, it's weird, like, you can't think straight sometimes. And that's where Satan really messes with you. That's why in that context in, in James 1, in the midst of that, he says, if you lack wisdom, then pray. Maybe you don't have the wisdom because in the middle of the pain, it's hard to think clearly and have that same clarity. And I want to pray over you because maybe some of you are in that, the midst of that pain and you just, you hear what I'm saying, but it's still not completely registering because all those emotions and all that hurt just tweaks your thinking. And so I want to pray over you and pray for those who maybe difficult things will happen this week. Maybe some insult, maybe some rejection, but that you would be strong through it. And I believe something's going to happen as I pray for you. And only that after I pray for you, some of the leaders will be lining the side and maybe you just need prayer for your specific situation. Um, and I ask you to come up and pray with one of them as, as the rest of us are worshiping and taking of communion that, that you would just, that you would pray and same with those in, in Ventura, that you would just go to one of those leaders and say, look, here's my situation. Or, or maybe you're even, maybe your prayer is, I'm just too comfortable and I want more of God. And it's a scary thing to pray, but God, whatever it takes, I want to be close to you because you're greater than everything else. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the example of your son, first and foremost, who came down on this earth and rescued us. God, who endured the suffering of the cross. And at that moment, you made him who knew no sin become sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God through him. Father, thank you that Jesus went through that pain and suffered for us, and now he's in, he rose from the grave. He's in glory right now. Thank you that we serve a risen Christ who is all-powerful, who has sent his spirit down upon us. Thank you, Father. I thank you that because of that example, Lord, and because of the power he gives us, we can make it through anything. So I pray that you give that confidence to these people in this room. Father, as trials are about to come to all of us, I pray that we would not be surprised as though something strange were happening to us, but that we would be people who expect it and know that we can be tested and found approved as good soil because your spirit dwells in us. It's not by our power, it's by yours. So right now, God, I just pray that you would minister to everyone in this room. God, you know exactly where everyone is. Holy Spirit, would you speak to each person now through your word? As we take of the body and blood of Jesus Christ, this bread and this cup, May we do it with absolute reverence, awe, remembering the pain you endured for us, that we would joyfully follow your example for the sake of our brothers, 
for the sake of those who don't know you. Please, by your grace, minister to us now. In Jesus' name.